you would, to Acts chapter 13. Anybody remember what our first candle was? Candle of hope. Okay, I heard it. Candle of hope. And last week was candle of peace. Last week was love. You're jumping the gun. Peace is coming this, this Saturday, all right? Peace is coming. We got hope and love. And today was joy. All right. We have reason for joy, don't we? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that the the scriptures mesh with the song that shall be sang and the reading that, that Rick had this morning, Father. And we know that only you can work things out like that, and we thank you for that. As we look in your word and we, we understand and realize that this is the time of the year that we prepare for and celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ as a babe in a manger. And Father, we know that the reason he came was to die for us. We often don't think of that till Easter, but Father, thank you that that was your plan from the beginning. It wasn't a, uh-oh, what do we do now? But it was your plan. It's, it's what you had for us and the sacrifice that you made. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 13, do we have our map behind today? No? Okay, all right, that's all right. Most of you probably have a good uh, set of maps in the back of your Bible. Uh, just briefly, we're, we're following Paul and Barnabas at the beginning of the chapter. The Holy Spirit calls them to, to minister, and the church... They, they were already fasting and, and praying and praising God. And so the, the, the church, the, the leaders laid their hands on and prayed with them and sent them off at the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit. They left from Antioch. They went down to the port there on the mainland at Seleucia and then sailed across the uh, little bit of the, the Mediterranean Sea, what we call the Mediterranean today, uh, to the island of Cyprus. They landed on the east end at Salamis and began preaching there. They worked their 90 miles across the island to Paphos. We remember there that there was Bargesus, the the sorcerer. And then that's where uh, Sergius Paulus accepted Christ, the the consul or the the proconsul or the, the governor of the island, accepted Christ. And then Paul and Barnabas and John hopped on a ship and they went back to the mainland up in Asia Minor. Oh, you're so good, Stephen. Thank you, man. Okay, so they're over here. Come down here to Salamis, to Paphos. And then they sail up here. They land at Italia and, and go up to Perga. And now last week we, we went with them as they went up to Antioch. Not this Antioch that they started from, but this Antioch over here. Uh, Antioch of Pisidian. And so they, they went to the... the, the Synagogue, thank you. <laughs> they went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And they heard the law and the prophets read. 
And then they, they were, because of their clothing, they were identified as teachers, and so they were asked to, if they had a word to share, and we, you know, it's like don't throw a big stake to an angry dog that you don't want to engage with, so don't tell a pastor, hey, if you want to say a few words, go ahead. And, of course, Paul jumped at the chance, stood up, and he preached, and he started out talking about the history of the Jewish people. And all the, we looked at all the active verbs and all the active things that God had done for them. And then when you get down to, to uh, verse, where are we at, 27 uh, to 40, that's what we, or 41, that's what we covered last week. And it was the, the second part of the, the sermon that Paul was preaching to them. And just like Peter had done, and just like Stephen hadn't been shy about, he said, you know, was, and, and they were up in, in Antioch and Pisidian here, so it wasn't those Jews there directly, but you know, it was the Jews in Jerusalem that actually killed the Messiah. And, and in verse 29 there, he says, when they'd carried out all that was written concerning him, in other words, the fulfilling of prophecy, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. And then he said, but God. But God, at the beginning of verse 30, God raised him from the dead. His body never experienced decay. Okay? Because it tells us it didn't. And in verse 37, God raised, but he whom God raised did not undergo decay. And I don't want to jump too far, too quick ahead of myself. Um, so I'm going to back off on that. And we're going to pick up in verse 42 today. Um, no, wait a minute. Okay, just just one more thing I wanted to, to say from last week's sermon. You know, we talked about justification as being just as if I had never sinned. But it, it, justification goes a step better than that. It is just as though I had always obeyed. So it isn't just that there's blank there, a blank clean slate, that it's like I'd never sinned. But the way God sees us because of what Jesus did is he sees it as though we had always obeyed, like there was obedience over here to to reflect on our character but it only reflects on our character because of what jesus did nothing that we could do can earn our righteousness nah back in and i know i've shared this thought before um as, as we get into verse 42 um back in in bible college and bible Bible study methods class. Yes, we had a whole semester class to teach us how to study the Bible. And, and one of the homework assignments would be, you know, they, they'd give us a chapter or something. They'd say, come up with 500 observations from that chapter. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? That's nuts. How are you going to get 500? There's not 500 words in that. And so you'd count the number of ands. As a, you know, there's 28 ands in that chapter, and there's 34 thes and 15 these. And, and, and the, the object was, no, no, those things aren't that pertinent, and there's not a trivia quiz on, you know, how many thes are in chapter 13 of Romans. But it, it was that if you were taking the time to count that many thes or the ands, is you were spending time reading the Word of God. You were absorbing it. You were soaking it in. And so... The, one of the observations that we were taught to look for is repetitive words or phrases. Because if God says it once, that's enough. But if he repeats it several times, there's obviously emphasis there. 
And, and for, you know, those, you know, there's Internet for Dummies, the, the books, the yellow books, and, you know, okay, Bible study methods for dummies, okay? If, if God's going to say it more than once, he's like, hey, dummies, pay attention to this, okay? Listen, and this is what I want you to know. So it, as, as we've gone through chapter 13, we've seen the phrase three times so far, the Word of God. In our passage today, we're going to see it five more times talking about the word of God. If you look in verse 5, when they began their journey, they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God. Uh, verse 7, at the end, Saul, uh, Barnab- the, the man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. That was Sergius, Sergius Paulus. He, he wanted to hear the word of God. Verse 26 not uh, the brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and to those among you who fear God, to us the word of this salvation is sent out. And we know from John 1 that the word is Jesus. So it says the word of this salvation is sent out. And today, verse 42, Paul and Barnabas were going out. The people kept begging that these words might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Verse 44, the next Sabbath they assembled to hear the word of God. 46, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, it is necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, and we'll get to that. Verse 48, and the word of the Lord. Verse 49, the word of the Lord. Eight times in this chapter alone. And throughout the scriptures, 1,143 times the word refers to the word of God or the word of the Lord. So take heed and listen when it talks about the word of God. And that's what we're studying. And if you'll flip just a couple pages towards the back, Acts 17.2. And as I told you from the start, this is one of my favorite verses in in Acts. And you you go, really? You know, that doesn't have any great deep thought in it, Pastor. Acts 17.2. According to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the scriptures he didn't read you know reason with them from the new york times he didn't reason from them the latest current political magazine or or anything like that he he took them to the scriptures and in when they were preaching to sergius paulus he he wanted to hear the scriptures and, and as we go through the passage today they wanted to hear the word of god Do we have that kind of hunger and thirst for the word of God? As your pastor, it's my prayer that you do. It's not just a, again, we we, we say when we get up and walk out the door, we don't think about this place again until next Sunday. We might call or talk to somebody during the week about something. But how how much of the word of God do we take with us? How much time, aside from this time, Throughout the week, do you spend in the Word of God? Do you have a desire? If, if you don't, you, you, might, you might want to check out your eternal residency, where it's going to be. Because if you don't have a desire for the Word of God, I'm not going to judge you. God is, but I'm going to guess that you might not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a desire to be in this book and to spend time with him. Paul was a little more straightforward with Bar-Jesus. He said, you son of the devil. 
because he was he was trying to use the word of God and the influence of the name of Jesus for his own profit and his own gain. It wasn't that he had a love relationship with Jesus Christ. It wasn't that that he cared about Jesus. He just cared about his pocketbooks and being made rich any way he could. Some would say, oh, he was just an entrepreneur. He was the son of the devil. And Paul didn't call any punches or pull any punches. He let him have it. As we read, and Paul and Barnabas were going out and the people kept begging that. And, and where are they going out from? They're going out from the synagogue. And where is the synagogue? It's in Antioch. Again, it's this Antioch up here, not the one over there from where they started from. They haven't gone full circle yet. But the people are leaving the synagogue and they're, they're talking to Paul and Barnabas. and say, hey, come back. Tell us this next Saturday as well. Now when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes, and remember that we talked about that phrase a couple times in this chapter, that it talks about the God-fearing proselytes doesn't mean that the Jews weren't God-fearing. It's just the God-fearing proselytes refers to the Gentiles that had, had accepted the faith and, and believed in Jesus Christ. How do we know that they believed in Jesus Christ? Because they followed Paul and Barnabas, and Paul and Barnabas were speaking to them, urging them to continue in the grace of God. I don't think in, in, in the, the insight that Paul and Barnabas had to, to know who, who were of the faith and who weren't. It was obviously evident to them, and they could tell that some of these people, from their preaching, if they hadn't known before, from their preaching here in the synagogue, that they had accepted Christ, that they believed what was being told them from the word of God. And Paul and Barnabas were urging them to continue in the grace. And the next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of God. Yeah, I should refer to my notes more. I have to take a step back. Sorry. I I get excited and get going. I have a section that I wanted to share with you uh, when we're talking about the word of God and how many times that it's mentioned. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 119. This brings, brings into play one of my other favorite phrases that we talk about when the Jordan River is at flood stage in the springtime. Psalm 119.89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It is fixed or established, and a directly more literally translation says that your word stands firm. We talk about standing firm. In the gospel, in, in the word in the New Testament, has the, the Jews would have the picture of the Jordan River at flood stage. And for you to stand firm was to stand in the middle of that river at flood stage and not have your feet slip, not have them slide anywhere, but to, to be on firm standing because of your faith in Jesus Christ. And here in Psalms it says, Forever, O Lord, your word stands firm in heaven. Back to Psalm 89, verse 34. 
Psalm 89, verse 34, My covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter that which goes forth from my lips. His word is sure. It can be trusted. It's firm. It's right. It's just and it's true. His word is what we can stand on. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew 4 We're not going to turn there, but in Matthew 4, anybody remember what happened there? Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And what does he come back at to Satan with? He quotes scripture. Jesus was quoting scripture. If Jesus needs to quote scripture to fight off temptation, it might be a good idea if we practice the same thing. If Jesus is going to quote the word of God, Maybe we should, too. No, not maybe. We should, okay? We should. Take it to the bank. Revelations twelve eleven. Now I'm going to start in verse 10. Revelation 12, verse 10. Love to hear those pages turning. That's why I wait. iPads are fine, but it's nice to hear the pages turning. Revelation 12:10 And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, Satan, who accuses them before our God day and night. And how did they overcome him? They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life more than, or even, and they did not love their life even to death. Okay? Their word, their testimony helped them to overcome. The word of God like I, and we just said that in Matthew, when he was be tempted by Satan, Jesus Christ quoted scripture to Satan to, to defeat him. And it's exactly what, what the, the believers and, and those that will overcome the lamb by the blood of the, excuse me, those that overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let it dwell. We talk a lot. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. How often do we just turn off everything? Turn off the phone. Turn off the TV. Turn off the music. Turn off everything. And just soak in and spend time with the Lord. I think that's one of the biggest things in, in the church in America. And well, in America, I'll speak for us. But it's one of the biggest things, the hindrances to the growth of the church, the hindrance to us going and telling others is that we don't stop. It's amazing how relaxing that can be, just a big sigh to let it out just and spend time with God soaking it in absorbing so that when we're squeezed 
we ooze Jesus, okay? That's, that's what we're supposed to do. I know it sounds funny. But if we get squeezed, what do we ooze? What should come up? What, what, what's in our heart is what comes out. So let's put the word of God in our heart and live in it, richly dwell in it. The next Sabbath, verse 44, back Acts chapter 13, verse 44. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. We can't get this many people to come and hear the reading of the law and the prophets. They're jealous. You know, okay, just like we're going to be jealous of you if you go home before we do, all right? This is a little different jealousy, okay? <laughs> Not that any jealousy is justified, but... Um, chapter, chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, just go back a few pages. This is not a new scenario. Paul and Barnabas are used to it. They've seen this before. But the high, 517, but the high priest rose up along with his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. And they laid hands on the apostles and put them in public jail. You can remember back that far. Why, why were they jealous? What was happening? Well, at that time, it was Peter preaching there, but Peter was preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if, and if Jesus was raised, if Jesus was alive, resurrected, we know that, okay, here we go, here's your lesson. Jesus fulfilled the, Jesus fulfilled the law and he fulfilled the, temple we'll get to the third one in a few minutes jesus fulfilled the law and he fulfilled the temple so if he was if he was relevant if he was real then the people didn't need the temple they didn't need the sanhedrin they didn't need the pharisees and the sadducees preaching at them because they were preaching the law the law had been fulfilled it was done But the people were listening to the truth that Peter was preaching in chapter 5. And they were following the truth. They were going to the way. And they were jealous because they were going to become irrelevant. And who of us likes to be irrelevant to their world? We all like to have an iron in the fire, right? We, We all like to be considered worthy, valuable, of worth to somebody. And their, their lordship and their reign over the Jewish people was going to go away if the people understood that Jesus was raised from the dead. And we know that he was. Again, in verse 30 in this chapter, when Paul is preaching here in the synagogue in Antioch of Pisidian, he says, but God raised him from the dead. He's no longer in the grave. God has raised him. And that's what they're preaching, and that's what the people are following, and that's why the Jews that are still tied to the temple and the law, are jealous. And they're, not, they, they, they're, they're just not kind of like, man, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. I wish those people would come to church when we preach. Yeah, it was a lot deeper and a lot stronger than that. They began contradicting, verse 45, they began contradicting the things spoken by Paul, and they were blaspheming. They, they were even, they were going too far. 
They, they were going to the other extreme. Because, you know, if, if I, it's the saying that if just because I chop your head off doesn't make me taller than you. Some people live their lives trying to feel better about themselves by making other people look stupid. If, if I can make you look like an idiot, then I look like somebody, right? Wrong, wrong, wrong. Well, that's, what they were, that, that's the old tactic that they were trying to do here in verse 45. They were contradicting things spoken by Paul and blasphemy. Any, anything they could have said against him was, was going to be wrong because he was preaching the truth and they wanted to preach the opposite of that because they wanted people to follow them, not the truth. Just, just given that example, I just thought... <laughs> The last, where I worked up in Houghton before we moved here. And uh, I was in a new position, and I was responsible for leading the staff meetings for the whole agency. And, and it was like there was one individual that everything I said and did was wrong, and they could prove it, and they would in front of everybody. Oh, boy. And, 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 and when you stop, when, when that's happening to you, you just stop and think, Okay, they're trying to validate themselves. They're obviously um, what's so insecure, and so I, I'm not going to lash out or you know argue with them or whatever. That's that's their way of trying to deal with who they are. I'm comfortable and know who I am, so I don't have to go there. But anyhow, if, if you have that, if you have ever had experience like that. I didn't feel good about it because it was in front of everybody else that I worked with, right? So you don't feel good about it. Say, yeah, keep it on. Keep bringing it. But it, you, you, you know if, you, if your position is right and true that you can just keep going forward. And in the end, it, it bore itself out like it does. And it took care of itself. So these guys were trying to ridicule and tear down the word of God and the truth that Paul and Barnabas were teaching. Verse 46, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. Okay, does any of your Bibles say waxed boldly or waxed bold? Okay, when you, when you have a, 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 a waxing and a waning, a science lesson here, a waxing or a waning moon, what is it doing when it's waning? It's what? It's getting less. It's getting smaller. There's less light, then it gets to the little sliver. And then when it's waxing, it waxes bigger and bigger until it gets to the full moon, right? Okay, so here these guys are waxing boldly. That means they're, they're becoming bolder in their faith. That means, kind of like when I was in that circumstance at work, I understood what was going on. And I, I just had to be bold to continue doing what I knew was right. Well, Paul and Barnabas here, specifically Paul, as he's preaching, he, he waxes boldly. He, he speaks out boldly, bigger. He speaks out bigger because he knows he's standing on the truth, that he's standing firm on the word of God. And so he, he, he doesn't have to be timid or shy about it. Now, it doesn't say that he was rude. It just said that he got bolder to share his faith with Jesus Christ because he knew he was on the right track. 
Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. He's talking to the Jews. Since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Did did you catch his play on words there? He says, you guys are taking this so far that you are judging yourselves not worthy of eternal life. Listen to what you're saying. Listen to who you're bashing there. You're bashing God. You're bashing the truth. And you're talking yourself right out of eternal life because you don't want to believe the truth. It's, just, it's, just, it, it's, it's so slight there, but, but he, he just nails it. He, he just hits it right on. Since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For thus the Lord has commanded us, I placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you should bring salvation to the end of the earth. Um, Some verses to look up later for those who want to dig deeper. Acts 3.26, Romans 1.16, and Isaiah 49.6. Also Luke 2.29-32. Just that, that... When they turned their back on Christ, God told them to take the word to the Gentiles. If they're they're going to turn their backs, I mean, they obviously did. But it's so important that that Paul was preaching the truth. Barnabas there, too, spoke out boldly. Paul Paul had been the one doing the main sermon uh, starting in verse 17 and and up to 42. But uh, Barnabas has his chance to speak too. No preacher wants to be silent. <laughs> He's got to get his edge in there too. When the Gentiles heard this, verse 48, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many has been appointed to eternal life, believed. Oh, that's not good. I have to grab a book out of my office real quick. I'm sorry. Chriswell was in, in the 40s and uh, 50s and 60s, I believe, was the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas. And, and he says this so well that I don't want to mess it up, so I'm going to, to read part of his, his text here. Um, in verse 48 there, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And that's, that's where we pick up on the doctrine of election. And when, when you talk about election and predestination, people go, ooh, don't go there. But it's in the word of God, so we've got to address it, and we're going to talk about it. He says it so well that I just want to read it so I get it straight and don't twist it. As many as were appointed to, and this is from his book, uh, Acts 3 and 1 volumes, page 427, just so that we properly cite it. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. He does not say who did the appointing. Could it be, as some say, that the Gentiles 
were so disposed to listen and to respond that they believed? They accepted the Lord? Was it their disposition that thus opened for them the gates of heaven? Or did God dispose their hearts to believe and in that belief appointed them to eternal life? As John Calvin and his followers would avow, certainly it is said that they have believed, they trusted, they opened their hearts. In my humble opinion, and, and I, I would piggyback with him, I'll, I'll, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what he's saying here. He says, in my humble opinion, as I study the text as best I can, I think it's both. I think that the elective, ordained, predestined purpose of God was that they would believe, accept the Lord, and thus be appointed to eternal life. I am persuaded also that their response arose out of them. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the Lord, and as many who were ordained, as many were appointed to eternal life, believed. I know many of you probably weren't here, and those that were probably don't remember. (laughs) When we were candidating here in the fall of 2018, I was given a list of questions, and one was on, on, the, on election and predestination and the free will of man. And, I, and if, I don't know if you recall my answer or not. I do very plainly because it was quite simple. I said yes and yes, both. And some didn't like that answer, but that, that's what I believe just along with W.A. Criswell. And he's a much more learned and spoken man than I, so I'll, go, I'll stick with him because I believe it's what God's word teaches. He said, there are two great facts that scripture fully reveals. One of the facts is the sovereign, eternal, elective purpose of God, which is as much in evidence at a work of the Almighty as the creation that we see around us. He made the universe, the galaxies, the, and I'm not saying this right, sidereal spheres, the stars, and all of the firmament. God also purposed a divine election of the redeemed from the foundation of the world. The Bible plainly uses those words describing the elective purpose of God. The other fact, I said there's two great facts, the other fact plainly reveals to us, revealed to us on the sacred page is no less dynamically pertinent and true. This is also a fact in life and in the Holy Scriptures both. It is that God made us free. We are human agents able to choose for ourselves. We are free, but we are morally responsible. We can choose for ourselves, and we do. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 2 that Adam was not deceived, Eve was deceived. The subtle serpent led her astray, but not Adam. Adam chose to eat the forbidden fruit. He chose to die with his wife rather than to live without her. He had the power of choice. He made the decision that has followed through all the generations since and comes down to us. Choice is a fact of human experience and human life. So to reiterate, in my humble opinion, as I study the text as best I can, I think it is both. And there, if you, you want anything further, go to Isaiah 55, where it talks about God's thoughts are higher than ours. And no, I will never, it's like the Trinity, I will never totally comprehend or understand it, I'm sure, until I'm home in glory with him. But I'm going to take his word at what it says and believe that it's true. The word of the Lord is being spread through the whole region. But the Jews aroused the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their borders. 
But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy. And there's our candle of Advent. They were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they were considered worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And they also got to continue preaching the word of God in the next town that they went to. We're saying go tell it on the mountain. The reading that Rick did this morning talks about the need to share Jesus Christ with those that are in a difficult life situation, decision-making time. And here, the word in verse 49, the word of the Lord is being spread through the whole region. They weren't shy, they were waxing bold. They were becoming more and more bold in their faith to share Jesus Christ. Okay, so what do I do with that this week? How, what, what do I leave here with? Um, somebody else that said it better than I can, George Sweeting, in his book, The Acts of God. And listen to this. For in the end, a Christian must believe that each man is either a missionary or a mission field. Which are you? A Christian must believe that each man is either a missionary or a mission field. Which are you? Father, we thank you that Paul and Barnabas were missionaries. That they were led by the Holy Spirit and they were obedient and they followed and they taught your word. They considered a joy to suffer persecution for the name of Jesus. I would ask each of us here to ask ourselves, are we? Father, with that, 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 the, the boldness that Paul and Barnabas waxed bold in, help us to grow in that. Help us to become bigger in our boldness to share Jesus Christ. And that if we know that we are a missionary, then we need to be sharing with the mission field. Father, we pray this week that the the food boxes that we give to our neighbors and those that are in need will will reach into their families, that that the love of Jesus will shine through our church and and will be obvious and evident to these people. And, And those people right around this church, Father, that are the missionary field, help them to understand and know. Help us to to not be just a flash in the pan, but to be there for them day in and day out. Help us to be praying for our neighbors, Father, those that are our neighbors to this building and those that are neighbors to our houses where we live. Help us to pay attention to the missionary field, Father. Thank you for your word, and again, thank you for the testimony of Paul and Barnabas. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who but God raised him from the dead. Thank you, Father, for that. And we celebrate that at this time of the year and exalt the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray and thank you. Amen. Uh, Don't forget the opportunity.